Uh, if you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're really only going to get into a couple of verses, and we're only really going to scratch the surface. Um, we're gonna, we are going to break up into our groups again that we've been breaking up into the, the past several weeks, six weeks or so. Um, and, and we've got discussion questions and some follow-up verses and stuff on the back uh, of your study sheet. But we're going to look at verses 6 through 9 uh, in just a minute. But before we get to that, I just wanted to, to quickly kind of review the purpose of why we did the, the whole adulting series, the video thing. Right? The premise of the study was to take some time and, and to talk about some key areas of decision you know, that young adults have to make. Different areas that, that you guys either have had to make or are going to have to make or you want to have to make right? They're in relationships and things like that. And they're really important decisions. And so much of what we covered, it had to do with the pressure that's felt to have the things that we think that everyone should have or be the person that we think everyone expects us to be or basically it's all tied to the American dream, right? Having that special someone, having the perfect job, having the house, the kids, like all of the things that we think is, you know, kind of owed to us because we live in the United States. And it's, it's the American dream and it's the pursuit of happiness and it's, it's just what we kind of are raised to focus on. And so when we focus on those things, it kind of gives us a little bit of a disenchanted feeling when, when we don't get what somebody else is getting or we don't get what we've been told our whole lives that we were supposed to get. And, and what we need to do is adjust our focus and our view and, and look at those things the way that God sees them. Some of those things were never promised to us. It's just what we think should have been promised to us. And, and so we... We get disenchanted, we get uh, a little lost in what to do next sometimes. And so New Year's is just around the corner. New Year's comes, you know, all the resolutions for a healthier you, right? 2020 is going to be the year that, you know, I stop eating donuts. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I doubt it. But, you know, that, there's all kinds of resolutions for a healthier you. Every year we all make something and, and we stick with it for a little bit. Uh, but, but what we're going to look at tonight is going to be something that can help you legitimately be a spirit, spiritually healthier you. It's, it's legitimately, it works. It absolutely works. And that's what we're going to see from 1 Timothy 4. The overall goal of the study that we've been in was to help us make better decisions in these critically important areas. So the first, I think it was the first week after the first video, we looked at this part of this passage, and we're going to look in some of it this week, we're going to see a little bit next week, and maybe the week after, um, and maybe, you know, the fourth week as well, it just depends on how long it takes me, I guess. But if you're, if you're like me, man, it, I like for somebody to just lay out a list and tell me everything that I need to do, and everything that I shouldn't do, and I'll just go, I'll check things off the list, and at the end, you can say, you did all the things on the list, you didn't do all the things on this list, righteous, good job. Right? You, you, you can be considered righteous and, and holy and godly, and that's awesome. The problem is it, it doesn't really always work like that. Obviously, there's a whole list of sins that we ought to stay away from in the Bible. You can find those. They're all over the place. But the decisions in some of these key areas, sometimes there's a lot of gray area. And what we need is not a list of 
you know, you just tell me who I should date. You just tell me where I should go. You tell me what I should say and when I should say those things. And, and when do I, how do I know when I love that person? Tell me. Tell me when. We want somebody else to tell us so that we don't make those mistakes. Well, you need to be able to think biblically so that you know how to see those things the way God sees those things. So that when you make the decisions, you know you're thinking like God thinks, so you're going to make the right decisions. And you're going to be okay on the other side of it. So we don't need a list of do's and don'ts. We need, we need to change how we think. We need to think like God thinks. We need to think like his word instructs us. And then he's going to straighten us out in all of those areas. So we need to address our thoughts, our emotions, our temptations with a perspective that allows us to make decisions in agreement with Scripture. If we can do that, you're going to be okay. It doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean you're going to get everything right. But when you get it wrong, you're going to know you got it wrong, and you're going to be able to make it right. You're going to be able to adjust. So let's go ahead and look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're just going to read verses 6 through 9. Like I said, it's just a short portion of this passage. And uh, we'll, we'll scratch the surface, and then we'll split up in our groups and see what we can learn and, and how we can encourage one another. Uh, verse 6 says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. Let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this passage, for the, the clear instruction that you give here. Uh, I think this passage can apply to so many, it, it, it applies to every area in our lives. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. And so if we can just understand what you're saying here and how to begin to exercise our faith, Lord, we can, we can start making really good decisions because we're going to understand and we're going to think like you do. And you're going to give us clear thought and clear direction and you're going to be glorified by the lives that we live. And that's, that is what we want uh, from our lives. Lord, we love you. We pray the, that you would just speak to our hearts tonight and give us direction. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right. So if we look at verse six one more time, Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. All right, and so he's, we didn't read the beginning of the chapter, but what Paul starts off in the beginning of chapter one is he's warning him to look out for false teachers. He said, look out for liars. You gotta watch out. They're gonna try and drag the, the flock away from you. They're gonna try and, Lie to the people that you have established truth in. And you've got to watch out for it. And the way you do that is you put, the, you put the body of Christ, you put the church in remembrance of some important things. You make sure that they're nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine. Okay, And so he's, he's saying, you've already taught them some things, put them in remembrance constantly. That way, when somebody comes and says something that's not true, they're going to be like, ah, that sounds totally different than what I heard. I can hear through that. Even when it's subtle, I know something's off. And most of the time, lies are subtle, aren't they? 
Most of the time they sound really close to the truth, but they're off just enough to get us to, to stumble over whatever is being lied about. And so he's, he's showing Timothy how to combat against the lies of this world. And the first thing he says, we see in uh, verse 7, he says, Refuse, and, and on your sheet I've got it this way, Refuse the world's temporary solutions. This world has all kinds of solutions for you. They just don't last. And, and some of them don't even work. But even the ones that do, they cannot last you for eternity. And we'll see that uh, in a little bit here. He says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of, of the life that now is uh, and of that which is to come. Paul compares this world's wisdom to physical exercise that only gives a temporary solution. Now, I, I wish I would work out more. Only one guy can control that, right? I have to decide it, and I have to do it. And, and physical exercise, if I eat right and I exercise, it, it can legitimately lengthen my life. Now, there are all kinds of factors that weigh in that, that may stop that or may change that, but in general, if, if I take care of my body, I'll live longer. The problem is, it's just longer. It's not eternal. It's still not going to last. It's still a temporary solution. It's, it's not the, you know, the, what's the, the fountain of youth, right? I mean, I know I look good for 41. Thank you. <laughs> but the more this beard comes in, the grayer it will be. I'm getting old fast, and, and stuff's not working like it used to work. It doesn't matter how physically fit we are. It will end someday. It's not an eternal solution, all right? And so he's saying the world's solutions, some of them may work. They may make you feel better. They may numb you to the things you don't want to feel. But it's just a temporary solution. All right? He goes on. He says it, it's, it's good for you. Ultimately, it won't last, and it won't be able to keep you forever. It has value because it can prolong your life, but the value is limited. Uh, the world has solutions that will help you deal with your emotions. There, there's all kinds of solutions out there. There's medications. There's some strange Middle Eastern and some further Eastern solutions to dealing with your... There's hypnotism. There's all kinds of weird things that you can do. You can go to therapy. You can have somebody help you out and, and disengage you from whatever feeling it is. And it's not God's solution. It may help you. It may help you get through a situation, but it's not God's solution. All right, and so we have to just be careful uh, to, to make sure that we're sticking with what God says. Now, I'm going to give you a disclaimer because I'm not qualified to talk, to talk about a lot of things. Right? First of all, I'm not a physician. I'm also not a therapist. So I will give you no advice in either realm. All right? I'm not trying to step in anybody else's professional realm. I'm a pastor. And, and the professional advice that I give you is a prescription of God's word. All right, and so we're going to stay there. I'm, I'm not trying to, one thing you won't hear me say is, you know, you've got emotional issues. You need some medicine for that. You know what else you won't hear me say? Stop taking your medicine for that. 
It's not, I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to tell you to take medicine. I'm not going to tell you to not take medicine. I'm not a physician. I'm a pastor. And so I'm going to stick in, I'm going to stick with what I know and with what God said. And so we're going to get into just a few different things in that realm. I just wanted to, to drop that disclaimer beforehand. My job is to be what Paul is call, calling Timothy to be here, a good minister. Not because you think I'm good, but because I'm doing what a good minister does. And a good minister is one that calls you to recognize or remember that God has declared a specific prescription in dealing with our emotions. He has given us ways to deal with the things that we run into in life. A good minister prescribes words of faith and good doctrine. Exactly what Paul told Timothy to do. So now that I've gotten the disclaimer out of the way, let's look at what God says through Paul. He says, refuse profane and old wives' fables or wives' tales. You guys ever heard of a wives' tale? A lot of times it's like a guilt trip to keep you from doing something you shouldn't do. Uh, My mom used to you know, we would do weird boy things like, you know, walk around making faces, crossing our eyes and all that. She's like, if you keep doing that, it's going to stay that way. What? <laughs> Just keep doing it. Nice try, Mom. We used to walk around like this, and, and she's like, what are you doing? Stop it. Does that bother you, Mom? You know, we should do stuff on purpose to annoy my mom. Can you imagine? And uh, so she would throw out those, those wives' tales to get us to stop being annoying <laughs> more than anything. I remember one time, she's a flat-out liar. Hell, I just saw Santa Claus. We were all, like, laying on the floor of the car, like, what? Oh, if you'd sit up, if you'd sit up, you'd have seen it. (laughs) It's like, you're a liar. That's what those are. They're they're just kind of keep us, you know, in control and, you know, don't walk under a ladder, don't break a mirror. Of course, don't break a mirror. It's not bad luck. It's just a mess, right? I don't want to clean up your mess, so don't touch the mirror. Right, all of those types of things. Well, if we look at that, at, at, and we look at it from our perspective, and that understanding, it sounds kind of silly. Like, what's Paul talking about, you know? My mom's okay. Uh, but it's a little bit different than that. And, he, and he first he calls them profane. And I think of the word profanity. And, and again, I'm not saying my mom was cussing, but I did hear her do that one time. Kind of freaked me out. It was, it was on the road. It was, a, it was a whole thing. Let's just see what the Bible has to say about it. What, what is, biblically, what is the word profane? First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.9 no, says, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, man for, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane. First Timothy 6.20 says, O Timothy, Keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings. That word vain means empty. Empty words. He's saying avoid those things. And opposi- oppositions of science falsely so-called. All right, And there's, there's all kinds of things that you can get into that this world says is proven science, but it still says theory on the front of it. The theory of fill-in-the-blank that's not proven science. That's what you're trying to force on me. It's, it's science falsely so-called. This world is full of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 2.16. But shun profane and vain babblings. There it is again. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. 
what this world has for solutions in dealing with our issues is going to take us away from godliness. We have to be careful. So the word fables, when I think of fables, again, my mind goes to the stories that I heard as a kid, and, you know, even Aesop's fables, it was, it was some sort of made-up story that had a good life lesson along with it. It wasn't just a, a thing my mom used to say, but uh, those, those fables were always just a story. Let's see what Paul has to say about what a fable actually is. 1 Timothy 1.4, neither give heed to fables, don't, don't listen to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying. What they're going to end up doing is causing you to question God's word and take the side of the world. Rather than building somebody up, you're going you're to cause them to stumble because they're only going to have questions. They're not going to have God's answers. 2 Timothy 4, 4 it says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Titus 1.14, Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. So it's not just good old stories I learned as a kid. The, the fables that Paul is talking about are these liars. The, it's the false doctrine. It's, it's the, the people trying to, to take the church away from the truth. 2 Peter 1.16 says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Notice he He's given us a, a uh, not a comparison, but you know, the, a contrast between a cunningly devised fable and the power of God. They're opposite. Because the power of God is in the truth. The power of God is in his word. When we can take what he says and align our lives to the truth, then we can have the power of God working in our, our, on our behalf and in our favor. When we're believing the lies of the world well, then we're, we're separating ourselves from the truth where the power is. And it is cunning, and it is, it is sneaky. So the fables that Paul and Peter are talking about are the wisdom of this world that, that turn us away from God's solutions to life's problems. And this is the very thing that Paul is warning Timothy about. So the second thing that we see is, is what is God's answer? And his answer is to exercise faith in God's eternal word. Exercise faith in God's eternal word rather than, you know, putting our, our chips in the, in the basket of the world's temporary solutions. We need to exercise our faith. And we saw that in verse 8. He says, for bodily exercise profiteth little. There, there is a profit to it. He's not saying it's, it's worthless and you should never exercise. He's saying the, the value of it is small in comparison to the next thing, and that's godliness. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of the life that is now, that's, that's what the, the bodily exercise gives you, and that which is to come. So there's eternal rewards. Not only is godliness, this is interesting too, not only, it, you, sometimes we think of, okay, so the physical solutions are for now, and the spiritual solutions are for later. And God says, no, 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 godliness is different. Godliness works for both. Because in this world, you're going to see that your, your emotions, they cause physical changes in your body. They absolutely do. Again, not a doctor, but I know that's true. Because when I get up in front, I get nervous, and I start sweating. 
A little gross, I know, right? What was the Saturday Night Live thing? <laughs> Whatever, weirdo. <laughs> it's old, but. So, so nerves and emotions and all of those things, they cause physical things to happen in your life. But you know what else does? The peace of God. The peace of God changes those same things. And that's what God has prescribed for us. And he's prescribed it through, our, or through his word. Bodily, bodily exercise profiteth little. It only profits now. It has nothing to do. It has no benefit for the eternal. It has no benefit after we're done with this life. But godliness benefits both. Now, godliness may not give you big muscles. Physical exercise will. But godliness will profit in all other areas of life. Whatever hits you in this life, godliness will help you. That's what he's saying. And so he's saying we need to exercise that. And we'll see how they're, they're similar. It's not just beneficial for eternity, it's beneficial now. Uh, to understand godliness, we have to look at another word, and, and that word is virtue. And virtue is, is very closely related, and vir- virtue is basically just righteousness. It's doing what is right, or doing what you know to do, or not doing what you know not to do. Right? Avoiding what you know to avoid, doing what you know to do. That's virtue. And it's every time... It's, it's a one-time decision, okay? I have a decision to do. I want to do what's right. That's virtue. Uh, we see that in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, right? When you first gave your life to Christ, did you know all kinds of Bible? No, you knew enough to tell you, man, I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus Christ to save me from that sin. And so I'm going to give my life to him and... and and immediately there's a few things you know, and I shouldn't do that anymore. You just know it. Nobody told you, you just know it inside. And so there are things that you can show virtue in connection to. You just know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to separate myself from that. That's virtue. It's a decision to do what's right. And he says uh, to add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness. Well, what is godliness? It's, it's God-likeness. Isn't that the same thing as virtue? Well, godliness is a little bit different, and, and we see that in what we just saw in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Godliness is exercising virtue. Godliness is virtue over time. Right? If, if, if I told you that Zach is an honest person, is it because he told the truth once? Or is it because he tells the truth? And and if he lies once, what is he? Well, you're a liar, (laughs) real quick. But you have to build godliness over time. Physical fitness. If I if I just go to the gym every day and I do my cardio and I get, you know, I get back to what I used to be able to do or whatever, and I'm physically fit and then I stop, how long is it until I'm no longer physically fit again? Not very long. Depends on how many donuts, right? It, it doesn't stay. And godliness is the same. The reason he's comparing it, obviously they, they, they come out in, in different ways. One of them is only beneficial now, the other is beneficial now and later, but they, they function the same way. If you stop choosing to live virtuously, you are not godly. Right? If you continue to to add virtue to the knowledge that you know, 
you keep responding to God in the right way, well, then, then that's godliness. And so you have to exercise that thing. I don't know about you, but man, I exercise a whole lot harder when I have a, a workout buddy. So do you have a, a godliness workout buddy? Do you have a virtue buddy? Somebody who's going to help you exercise godliness over time? I, I just, I do a better job. I try harder when I know there's somebody there with me. So virtue is doing right. Godliness is doing right over time. And it's all, it's all tied back to God's word. How do we know what is right? Well, God tells us what is right. He, he tells us how we should think and, and what we should do about things. Uh, godliness, if we look over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 11, we'll hit this in just a couple more verses. We'll, we'll wrap up. He says, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and stripes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds of destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. See, there's... There's only one way to, to measure godliness, and it's according to what God said. It's according to virtue. It's not according to how much you have. It's not according to how many people are following you, how many people agree with you. It's whether or not you agree with God, and you consistently agree with God. Even if your emotions don't agree with God, you choose to agree with God in the decisions that you make in your life. And verse uh, 8, he says, And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. If we can exercise godliness in dealing with our thoughts and emotions, it will automatically overflow into our decisions. Because what you think and what you feel determine what you do. And so we have to, we have to address what we're thinking, we have to address what we're feeling, and we have to address it with God's word. And we're, again, we're only just getting started talking about some of these things. We'll be talking about this for a little bit. But this is what we have to start doing. It'll give us nourishment, as Paul says, for a healthy walk with Jesus. So in conclusion, before we get into the, the uh, conversation time, uh, the last verse is 1 Timothy 4.9 in this passage. It says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. So what should be what should we be exercising? Words of faith and good doctrine. This is our solution for a healthy walk. He says it's worthy of all acceptation. It's worthy because it works. It's, it's worthy because every time you turn to the Lord, he may not get rid of the, the situation that you're up against. He may not even take away the feelings that you're feeling. But he does say, that he will give you peace. He does say that he will get you through. 
He does say that he will be there the whole time. So when our thoughts and our emotions match God's word, we're going to make better decisions. When we make right decisions, that's when we'll walk closely with Christ. Before we get into these verses and uh, questions, uh, when we split up, start with the questions. They'll, they'll send you back to the, the verses there on the back of the sheet. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, The thing that hath been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. And that's a, a cool little poem, but the point Solomon is making is that life goes in cycles. Right? It, he says there's no new thing under the sun. History repeats itself. Our society thinks that it's so intelligent that there's no need for God. God was just a historical old school thing for people who were not that intelligent. That's what society wants to believe because society wants to have control over its own decisions. The problem is when you get rid of God, you have to get rid of God's solutions. And you have to create new ones. And the problem is that our emotions are not new. The one who created us created those emotions. And he knew after the fall that we would abuse those emotions and follow those emotions everywhere and anywhere and make terrible decisions. And he gave us solutions in his word to our emotional difficulties. They're not new. Anger is not new. Sadness is not new. Depression is not new. Anxiety is not new. This world wants to pretend that, that we've found a new solution, and, and maybe it's a solution, but maybe it's a distraction. God has given us solutions to all of these things. He's given us ways to deal with these things. And he's given us his word and his guidance. And so if we're going to put any effort into something, let's put effort into something that has eternal value and value right now. And so go ahead and uh, split up into your groups. Start with the, the questions. If you don't have a group, I think everybody here has a group, right? Does anybody not have one? Okay. Uh, go ahead and split up in your groups. Go through the questions. There's some verses. Take uh, turns reading those verses. And, and uh, we'll, if you guys want to go till 8.30, that'll give us a half hour. If you want to go longer, that's fine. I won't kick you out, but we'll, we'll at least put a time limit on for some of you. All right, thank you.